Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now enjoy this message from Rick Benjamin. Thanks for being in church. (laughs) On a cold December morning in Alaska. Thanks for joining us online from your warm living room, wherever you are. Rick Benjamin is my name, two first names, really my name. Some people call me Benjamin, that's okay. Benjamin's my Bible name. Rick's not found in the Bible, but Benjamin is. Means the favorite son. I like that. I was the only son, but I was the favorite son, that's right. Born and raised in Anchorage, Alaska. Grew up chopping Christmas trees out of the woods around here. Alaskan swamp spruce, terrible Christmas trees. <laughs> Seems like it was colder when I was a kid in Anchorage, Alaska back in those days. Doesn't it seem like that? We go out when it's 20 below. Now it never gets that cold, it seems. Must be nostalgia, I guess. Grew up on this property. My parents started this church when I was three. I'm a lifelong Bible church, Jesus kid. I got saved along the way somewhere, way back when, don't know when, God knows when. Love Jesus, love the Bible, love church, always did, always loved going to church, even loved being a preacher's kid, imagine that. Love this church very much, can't say how much. I appreciate all of you so much. Thank you for being faithful through this year and all the years. Thank you for giving and praying and working and serving. It's not the people up here that make churches go. It's you. It's the faithful people of God. Can't tell you how much respect I have for all of you and even appreciate you being here today and all that you do. The message begins in the beginning, John chapter 1. The beginning of the Gospel of John from the New International Version In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. There's more. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And one more, I think. It's coming. It's okay. This kind of stuff doesn't bother me. Don't be anxious. It's all fine. The gospel's been going forward for 2,000 years. (laughs) It's verse 13 and 14. The word became flesh and lived for a while among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only from the Father, full of grace and truth. Thank you, Billy and music team, for doing a Christmas carol this morning. Oh, come let us adore him. Thank you for singing all the verses. 
And we sang it, word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. Love Christmas. How many put up your Christmas tree already? Right on. How many did it on Thanksgiving Day? That's what we did. Yeah. Christmas shopping yesterday. Yes, I've been doing some online Christmas shopping, but I went to some actual stores yesterday. Love it. Love everything about Christmas, mainly because of Jesus. And I'm here to say, and I'm a man, I'm not ashamed to say, I watch Hallmark Christmas movies. My awesome wife, Dolores, got me started. She's home today. I love you. And maybe at first I made fun of Hallmark Christmas movies. I'll confess that too. But I watch them now. We record them all. Christmas at home. Christmas in the country. Christmas in the country at home. <laughs> and uh, there it is again. You know, I've cried some tears watching the movies. And we still watch them, and uh, there's one thing I've learned. The boyfriend back in the city is not the one for the girl. <laughs> the guy back home that wears the flannel shirts, he's the right one for you. That guy. And I can figure that out in like the first five minutes. But she figures it out in the last five minutes. You're the guy for me. That's right. Okay, brothers, this is a safe place. It's okay, okay to confess. How many guys in this room watch Hallmark Christmas movies? Come on. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. All right. And then at the end, they kiss. They say Merry Christmas. That's the end of the film. You know, there's no explosions, there's no violence, there's no cuss words. They're just really wholesome movies. I appreciate that. And then they always say, and now I know what the true meaning of Christmas is. <laughs> it's being at home with the people that you love, and it's being giving with the Christmas country, home Christmas, you know, and all that. Okay, we hear this a lot. And by the way, all those things are right. Christmas is about giving and love and family and being thankful and all that. It is about all that. But I have an announcement to make. Are you ready? The true meaning of Christmas is Jesus. So today is the beginning of our month-long series about Jesus, our theme for December leading up to Christmas and the new year. From heaven to earth. We got that one. There it is. Wonderful. You'll see that, and that'll be our theme this month. I'm going to start again this message with a couple of true stories about giving everything up for love. Are you with me? Okay, the first picture is an old one, black and white photograph. We got that? I think so. They changed the software and they changed the slides and all that. They're learning how to do it. They're great people. Thanks, Rodney. The picture is coming. There he is. Edward VIII. I'm going to tell you about him. You might know his story. It happened almost 100 years ago. He was the king of England. For 326 days, 
Interesting. And then in 1936, he abdicated, which means he resigned from being the king because he was in love. Everybody go, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Her name was Wallace Simpson. She was from America, and the issue was that she was a divorced person. And so the king of England couldn't marry a divorced person back then because the king of England was the head of the Church of England at the same time. And so after all the struggle, he abdicated. He gave up being the king of England for love. This is what he said. This is a quote. I have found it impossible to carry the heavy burden of responsibility and to discharge my duties as king as I would wish to do without the help and support of the woman I love. Wow. And guess what? After he abdicated, they did get married and stayed married for 36 years until he passed away in 1972. It must have been love. This is what he gave up. You ready for this? He gave up the crown, the title, HRH, His Royal Highness. No one called him that anymore. He gave up billions. No exaggeration. The current worth of the royal family is $88 billion. They're billionaires. Queen Elizabeth II, she's personally worth $500 million. That could have been him. He gave up castles, you know, Buckingham, all the other ones they have, Balmoral, all these great huge places and estates. He gave up his country. He was actually exiled to France where he lived out his life. Did you know that? He had to go away because what he did was not popular. He gave up power. He gave up a lot of respect because of what he did. All for love. He kept the title, which was the Duke of Windsor, whatever that's worth, and he got an annual stipend of a million dollars a year. That's okay. <laughs> but he gave all that up for love, famously. How about that? Well, that the, leave that there. Here's another picture. You might not know about this one. This man's still alive. Who's ever heard of Chuck Feeney? I'm about to tell you the story of Chuck Feeney. He's 89 years old today. He, listen, was a billionaire. He had a fortune of $8 billion, which he made from duty-free shopping, you know, like in the airports. And he set up a foundation back in 89 with his plan to give it all away while he was still alive. Wow. And he did it. In fact, in September, he gave the last of it away. It's all gone. He said wealth brings responsibility. Some of the assets he wanted to go to improve the lives of people. All kinds of charities, universities, his own school, Cornell University, $1 billion. That was a good day for Cornell, I guess. His native country, he's from Ireland originally. All kinds of benefits to the country of Ireland. Now he lives in a rented apartment. He does not own a car. He has one pair of shoes. I'm not making this up. He flies coach whenever he flies. He has a $10 Casio watch that he wears, and he carries his papers in a plastic bag. How about that? He gave it all away. In fact, he challenged other billionaires to do the same thing. He calls it something like the giving challenge to at least give away half of the billions. How many billions do you need after all? Come on. Let's get Chuck Feeney's telephone number. How about that? <laughs> 
Other billionaires like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, they have accepted the giving challenge. They're going to try to give away half of their billions. Wow. And Warren Buffett described Feeney as my hero and Bill Gates' hero. He should be everybody's hero. Wow. What a story. I like him. But today, I'm here to tell you the true story about a king that gave up more than Edward VIII and about a hero who gave up more than Chuck Feeney. You know who he is. So I'm reading now Philippians 2, verse 5. Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. One of my mentors, Bible college professor, Dr. Daniel Pakoda, love you, Dr. Pakoda, he used to say just like this, imagine God humbling himself. Just imagine that. That's what these words are saying. And so this morning, I invite you to imagine with me the wonder of God humbling himself. These words are so awesome, I want to read them in two other versions of the Bible. I didn't do a slide for these. Just listen. The first is by J.B. Phillips. For he, who had always been God by nature, did not cling to his prerogatives as God's equal, but stripped himself of all privilege by consenting to be a slave by nature and being born as a mortal man. Having become man, he humbled himself by living a life of utter obedience even to the extent of dying, and the death he died was the death of a common criminal. And this is the message paraphrase. Same words, just listen. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. This is why Christmas happened. This is what Christmas is about. This is who that little baby was. The God who humbled himself and gave it all up to come into the world and be a servant and suffer and die. These words that we read up there from Philippians 2, they were apparently a hymn. They were a contemporary Christian worship song they sang in the first century. Wow. A song of praise they sang. And you know what? What Jesus gave up is so awesome. We still sing songs of worship to him about this in the 21st century. We can't get over it. Lord, I lift your name on high. You came from heaven to earth to show the way. Remember that song? Light of the world, you came down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. King of all days, oh, so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came to the earth you created. All for love's sake became poor. Wow. We sing this. We sing a song around here these days. You didn't want heaven without me. 
So Jesus, you brought heaven down. <laughs> and I found a really old Christmas carol. I like the old ones. And it has even old English language. Listen to this. 1864. Thou didst leave thy throne. Anybody remember this one? Thou didst leave thy throne and thy kingly crown when thou camest to earth for me. But in Bethlehem's home there was found no room for thy holy nativity. Heaven's arches rang when the angels sang, proclaiming thy royal decree. But of lowly birth didst thou come to earth, and in great humility he did. A verse of scripture now, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. It says, there it is, thank you. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Just think about how rich Jesus was in heaven with God forever. And then think how poor he became. The message says, rich as he was, he gave it all away for us. That little baby grew up and learned, and learned who he was, and realized who he was, and had that relationship with the Father again. And he remembered what he left behind. This is amazing. He knew, because the night before Good Friday, now we jump from Christmas Day all the way to Good Friday, that night before he died on the cross in the upper room with his followers, he lifted up his eyes, he began to pray to God the Father, and in John 17, verse 5, Jesus said, Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. He knew who he was. He knew where he came from. He always called himself the one that came down from heaven. He knew that. I'm the real living bread that came down from heaven. And he remembered what he gave up. So I made a list. <laughs> it's a partial list because none of us can comprehend everything he gave up. But here's the list. What Jesus gave up. He gave up equality with God. He gave up the prerogatives of deity. He couldn't just do the God stuff anymore whenever he wanted to. He only did the God stuff here on earth when God the Father said, do it. <laughs> Walk on the water. Raise that dead person. That's when he did the God stuff because he was a slave, a servant. He gave up perfect fellowship with the Father. He learned to pray and have those times with the Father. But in one horrible moment on that cross, he lost all the relationship with the Father for the first time in forever. What Jesus gave up. He gave up the riches of heaven. He gave up what he called glory. More than any king, more than any billionaire ever had. This is what he got in exchange for all that. Human weakness. Bummer. He felt tired. He got thirsty. He felt lonely. He endured temptation. Yes, the Bible says tempted like all of us in one lifetime. Never sinning. What Jesus got, he got poverty. He wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't born to the king or the millionaires. He was born in a barn to a poor couple that barely made it, didn't have enough to even pay for the best sacrifices we know. They were poor. He was poor. He lived in poverty. He was a member of an oppressed race. Israel was occupied by this brutal Roman Empire. His whole lifetime, that's what he knew. Injustice, discrimination, prejudice, racism. He experienced that. 
What did he get? Suffering, misunderstood by people, disappointed, rejected, betrayed, then a kangaroo court that was totally unjust. And then, of course, like it said, death. And even not just death, this awful torture to death of a criminal crucifixion on the cross. That's what he got. But there's one more thing he got that goes on that side of the list. Along with all that suffering and all that injustice and all that weakness and all that pain, he got you. And he got me. That's the title of the message today. Listen. What Jesus gave up for you and me and, and billions of us today who each one of us could say, you got me. You came for me. You gave all that up for me. You lost all that. You endured all that for me. And for him, it was worth it all. What a wonder. Okay, he told a story about this, we think. He was the great storyteller, the great master teacher. He told these simple stories we call parables, which where one thing is like something else, and it's a natural thing like spiritual things, a natural story to explain a spiritual reality. This is the story he told in Matthew 13. One verse, a little parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought the field. Now, in this little parable, he was probably teaching us about us, really, about how when one of us finds out about him and about the kingdom and about heaven, we're all full of joy, and we give up everything and follow him as his disciple. And we want to do that. But there's another way to look at this little story. You ready? The man in the story is Jesus. The field is the world. In fact, he said that in Matthew 13. The field is the world, he said. Jesus sees the whole world, I mean, better than we see it, and all of its ugliness and all of its problems, all of its dysfunction. He sees the whole world, but he sees something in those mess that to him is a treasure. Wow. He sees the treasure in the field. And then he gave up all that he had. You saw the list. Basically, he said, I'll take all of them. I'll pay for the whole mess, all of it, the whole world. Jesus bought the farm. It cost everything he had to pay for all of us. With joy, the parable said. He did it with joy. One verse says, because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross and all of that. And the treasure, again, was you. Wow. You want to know how much you're worth to him? You want to know how he really feels about you? He gave it all up for you. He bought everything for you and me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If you don't mind me being personal about me for a minute, okay. Ever since I first understood all this as a little kid, and then growing up as a teenage Christian kid and all that, I just realized he did all this for me. He gave it all up for me. He saw me. He loves me. All I ever wanted to do was just give everything I have to him. 
It just seemed like the right thing to do. It seemed like what my heart wants to do. It's how I've lived my entire life. Doesn't it make you want to do the same? When you hear what Jesus did, when you hear about what he gave up, when you hear about his great love, how he set it all aside for you and me, isn't something in your heart saying, wow, I love you back. I thank you for doing all that. I want to give you my life for what it's worth in response to what you did for me. In a few minutes, I'll give all of you a chance today to pray a simple prayer to respond to all this yourself if it's in your heart today. It makes me want to sing songs of worship to him too. Not just Christmas songs, but all the time. Okay, look at this Bible verse. I'm saying he came for you. I'm saying he came for me. That's in the Bible too. Galatians 2.20. This was that man, the Apostle Paul. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. First person singular. The man could say words like I and me and my life. He could say, I believe Jesus Christ came and loved me and gave himself up for me. And so I give my life to him. You can make it that specific. First person singular. You can say, Jesus loved me and came for me and gave himself up for me. And now I want to live my life for him. And this leads me to my own personal Bible lifetime verse which I hope it's okay to have a Bible verse for your lifetime. This is mine, 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Here's the rest of the story. <laughs> Here's the rest of the story about Jesus after he gave everything up. We'll go back to Philippians 2. This is the rest of the song. When they sang this song back in the first century, there was more words they sang. Here it is. Therefore, after all that humility and suffering and the cross and all the rest, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's back where he started. My brothers and sisters, he's back in the glory he had with the Father before the world began. He's at the right hand of the throne of God. He has the name above every name, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like God is saying, do you see what my son did? Do you see what he gave up? Do you see his victory? Do you see what he's done? Back where we started, the glory he had with the Father, and that's where he is right now. And we'll go back to where we began this message, John chapter 1, because there's more words there too we want to read. Verse 10, he came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Come back next week. Hear another message in this series about how Jesus didn't only come from heaven to earth, he didn't only give up heaven to come to earth, but he brought heaven with him. And Jesus walking around was heaven on earth. Awesome. But today we're saying this, Jesus is the king of all kings, Edward VIII and all the kings and queens that ever lived. He's the king over all of them, who gave up his throne in heaven and the crown for love 
Jesus gave up being king for love for all of us, for me. And he's my king too. Question, is he your king today? Jesus is the ultimate hero, the ultimate philanthropist, the ultimate generous man who gave up everything he owned, more than any billionaire, more than Chuck Feeney, bless his heart. Jesus is the ultimate hero, even to other billionaires, they said. And he's my hero too. Question, is Jesus your hero today? I hope so. He gave up everything for you. It makes me want to give up everything for him. And I hope you feel the same. And if you believe in Jesus and accept him, like those verses said, if you bow your knee, I mean literally, and confess, Jesus Christ, you're my Lord, you're my King, you're my hero, then he'll make you his child. From heaven to earth, what Jesus gave up for you. Amen. Would you please stand? We're going to pray this prayer in a moment. It's a prayer I sort of wrote to lead us in this prayer now. And, and I hope you'll think about the words and say them from your heart. After we do all this, there'll be people up here. Uh, they're mature Christian people. They're a prayer team. They know what they're doing. If you want to come up here and say, I prayed that prayer today. I made Jesus my king today. I want to hear more about this. Come up and talk to one of us. I'll be up here too. And we'll pray with you and pray for you for any need you may have today. Like Mariah said, the holidays are a hard time for people. So if that's you, then come up and let us just gather around you in love and, and pray for you, for God's blessing on you. But now let's pray this prayer together, and then we'll close. We'll sing some more songs of worship to Jesus. Please close your eyes and pray with me. Follow after me now. Jesus, thank you for coming from heaven to earth for me. Thank you for giving up everything for me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Jesus, I believe in you. I want to give you everything for you. I worship you. You are my king. You are my hero. You are my Lord. Amen. Oh, come, let us adore him. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.